Joy 99.7 FM. to you, our cherished and descending listeners. It's always super exciting to come your way every Wednesday with your favorite business development program on Radio Masterclass. Masterclass is powered by Joy Business and brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. Masterclass is also brought to us by First Coat Management Services Industry. They say get it right. And also by Lancaster University. They boast of being the only British university campus in all of West Africa. We're excited to bring you today's edition of Masterclass as we continue our conversation on project management. If you joined us last week, we started an exciting conversation on project management and we were privileged in the studio to have a wonderful resource person who shared some thoughts with us. For those of you who miss the show. I'll just quickly go through his resume again. It's a kind of resume that when you hear it being read, um, you aspire to do better for yourself. So he's a playwright, he's a project management author and a trainer. He's also the CEO of Globe Management Institute and Globe Productions. He's a certified project management professional and has an MBA with the Project Management Institute of the United States of America. He has an EMBA from the Swiss Business School in Switzerland. He's also a certified international project manager, CIPM a Master Project Manager and a Certified Management Consultant from the American Academy of Project Management, USA. He's trained a hundred, hundreds of corporate executives across many organizations, the United Nations, VRA, World Bank, UDS, ActionAid, Airtel Tigo, the list goes on and on, Tiger IPI. One of the things he's done notably is that he's credited to have written the Community Policing Manual in 2019 for the Ghana Police Service and has trained over 3,000 community policing personnel. My guest again for this conversation is Latif Abubakar. Latif, I said it last week. When I grew up, I want to be like oh, you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a wonderful CV. I mean, it challenges us to become better versions of ourselves. Not all of us will be finance directors. Not all of us will be footballers. Not all of us will be bank managers. Not all yeah. of us will be entrepreneurs. But whatever it is that you are going to do for yourself in this life, be the best there is. When they ask, who is the best person who can do this particular thing? Let it be yeah. you and no one else. Latif, I'm excited to have this conversation again today. Last week, we sort of introduced the conversation, the definitions, if you like, working yeah. definitions and general understanding and principles of what project management is. And I love the perspective you gave to it, that essentially it's anything that is definite, has timelines, that requires, that has a certain end to it, a definite yes. end to it. And therefore, I asked the very interesting question, is marriage... Um, an example of projects. I got, suffice it to say, I got a, a lot of feedback. I know, right? After the show. <laughs> but it's exciting. Almost everything we do in life is project management. Yeah, yeah. So as a business owner, you know, when you start your business, when it's not too big, when it's small, you have just a few employees, you're managing them. You're literally the chief operations officer. You are the finance director. You are the HR manager. You are the counselor. You are the career guidance person. You are, you are everything. But do we have the training to do everything? Or will yeah. we outsource some of the things to people who can help us? You know, I used to work with, with someone who said, yeah, you can't do everything yourself. And therefore, yeah. if you need help, shout. Yeah. Shout means raise your hands up and say, I can't do this one. I need help. And there are people to help us. Yeah. Today, we continue that conversation. And we're going to be looking at initiating a project. We're going to be looking at some of the processes, the formal processes, and how we can sort of mirror them back 
onto our everyday processes. You know, um, it's planting season. The rains have started. You want to be able to, in the next six months, harvest some kind of crop. What are the processes you go through? That's a project. You want to be able to grow some tomato in your backyard and sell it for Christmas. It's a project. Mm -hmm. For those of you who started three months ago, you want to raise your livestock in time for Christmas, in in, in two months, and be able to sell them and make some money. If you didn't start early, that, that livestock won't be ready for Christmas. How did you manage that project cycle? We're going to be learning some more things here today, which you can apply to your everyday life so that you become the best project manager. And I believe the best project or the greatest project, one of the greatest projects that we manage is our homes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's and our so, homes. Thank God to our mothers and our wives and our sisters Going who are it. managing. They are the greatest project managers. One of the greatest project yep, manager, yep, managers. Yep, yep. So let's share some thoughts today. Quick That's recap it. last week. Let's go into today yeah. and talk about project initiation. Gone, gone were yeah. those days where we think that when we talk about projects, we mean construction. <laughs> well, I mean, today when you talk about projects, some people think it's IT. Yeah, yeah. today, you when know? people think it's just IT, but, but I mean, it's, it's it? inevitable. It's everything. Cut across almost everywhere. You would face projects. That's mm. why it's important for us to talk about projects. Okay, moving to what we did last week, overview briefly. Yeah, quick, just, we we, we, we actually spoke yeah. about what projects are differentiated between projects and operations. I guess we have that slide. Just before you continue, to remind those of, of, of us who want to watch us live on Facebook. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just go to our Facebook page and you can follow the slides. Latif has been magnanimous to share some slides with us also. So by all means, go to our Facebook page. You can follow the slides and then you can make some notes if you are you are the kind who wants to make notes. Latif, please continue. Yeah. So we, we I mean, went into the world of projects, spoke about projects, differentiated between projects and operations. So we spoke about the fact that projects are exist in a broader spectrum. We talked about the sub-projects, projects, programs, portfolios. Activities. Exactly, from activities. That gives us the... Um, the hierarchy of a strategic plan. Mm. Then we tr- uh, spoke about factors that affect projects, EEFs and OPEs, mm. the enterprise environmental factors, and then the organizational process assets too as mm. well. And I think that in a nutshell, that was a summary of the introductory right. bit of project management. This week, today, we're actually going through the practical aspect of project management, mm. how we can apply project management. There are two things that comes to mind. Or two concepts that comes to mind when we talk when we, when we begin talking about the practical aspect of project management. One is the project life cycle, and then two is the project management life cycle. The project life cycle speaks to the fact that every project goes through series a series of four stages. The stages are initiation, planning, execution, monitoring and controlling. Sorry, execution and closure. Monitoring and controlling is not part of the stages of the project life cycle. Mm. It's all, only four stages. So every project goes through four stages. Initiation, mm-hmm. planning, execution, and then closure or termination. Mm-hmm. Those are the four stages that every project goes through. What happens at each stage is actually what we usually want to talk about mm. so that people understand that at each stage, this is what is done. At that stage, this is what is done. We, 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 we name them, the, the names are, if you, if you realize, these particular names I am mentioning are in their noun form. Mm-hmm. And so when I say the first stage is initiation, so I-I-O-N, it ends with the shin. Mm-hmm. The second stage, of course, planning, there's nothing like plan so we mm-hmm. still we stick to it as exactly. planning. Exactly. And then we move to execution, <coughs> and then we move to termination or closure. The stages are in their noun forms because mm-hmm. they are just the name of the places every project goes through. Mm-hmm. Then the project management life cycle. 
is actually the practical aspect of project management. That is where the application of project management exists. They are grouped into five. So the project management life cycle is initiating, planning, executing, monitoring and controlling and closing. You see the difference. The actions takes place at the project management life cycle. So they are in the verb form. And then the 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 stages are just giving you the names of the places that they've so there's a clear through. difference between the stages and then of project management and the project management life, life cycle. cycle. You realize that the other difference is that the <laughs> The monitoring and controlling is actually part of the application aspect. Mm. When we are talking about the various stages, monitoring and controlling is not mm-hmm. part of the stages. Mm. It is just something that is done almost at every stage. So yep. usually not a particular stage for monitoring right. and controlling. So when we move to our interest now is basically the project management life cycle. How to apply the principles of project management at work. And to do that, we go through five major processes. And these are initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. So what we are going to do today is actually go through the initiating process group. It simply says that, look, if you have a project and your boss comes and says, look, we have this particular project we want to work on. As the supposed project manager... I call you the supposed project manager because your boss has handed over a project to you to execute. The first thing you do on any project is to initiate the project. Mm -hmm. When you are ready to start work, it's basically the initiating processes you go through. And to initiate a project simply means two things. One, develop project charter. And two, identify stakeholders. So globally, that is what is usually done. A summary of what is done during the initiating processes globally. It's what? One, to develop project charter, and two, to identify stakeholders. What do we mean by develop project charter? The project charter is actually, let, let me say, an executive summary of the project. It's a high-level definition of the scope of work of the project. That is actually the project charter. It authorizes, it's a document that authorizes the project to begin and authorizes a project manager to be in charge of the project. So a project cannot exist if it doesn't have a charter. Project, the existence of a project legally is due to the charter. Mm. And charters are prepared either by the sponsor or the project management office. Last week, we spoke about the project management office. Those are the two bodies, uh, two, two uh, offices responsible. That's what for, we refer to as the PMO. Yes, the project <coughs> management office, or some books refer to it as the uh, project unit, that's, or the project office, mm. depending on, on which book you are reading. So we are saying that for a project to exist and, and be legal, it must have a project charter. Mm. And the project charter gives us a high-level definition of the project, it gives us a high-level scope of the project. It gives us the high-level requirement, the budget, and so on and so forth of a particular project. I think we have a template of what a project charter has on the slides to as well on Facebook. So people could have a glance of the various segments of a project charter. Once the project charter is developed by the sponsor or the project management office and a project manager is appointed, the charter is now handed over to the project manager. 
So the first thing the project manager does is to acquire the charter and move to the next process in initiating, which actually is identifying of stakeholders. So remember we said that to initiate a project simply means doing two things. To initiate a project simply means you are what? Developing a project charter and then identifying stakeholders. So the project charter bit is mostly not a headache of the project manager. Of course, he can be consulted, but then it is signed off either by the project management office or by the sponsor. That is the reason why we always say that the, the charter is developed by the sponsor or the project management office. When the, when the charter is developed, it is handed over to the project manager, and the project manager begins to take us through the entire project management process. The first thing he or she does is to identify stakeholders, to find out all the people that the project might affect, positively or negatively, or all the people that can affect our project positively or negatively. That is actually the process of identifying stakeholders. So we will say, how do we go about identifying stakeholders? It's one of the things. So in project management, we'll call it, what are, we, we, we spoke about the inputs, tools, and techniques, and outputs mm -hmm. last week too as mm -hmm. well. So what do we need to be able to identify your stakeholder properly? You need your charter because your charter gives you what? Uh, a high-level definition of the project. It gives you the scope of the project and what is required to, to, for the project to succeed. So based on that, you know the scope at which you should be moving towards in identifying what your stakeholders. And then if you have your charter, you could now apply certain tools and techniques on, in, in, in trying to derive the various stakeholders in relation to your charter or your project. How do we go about that? How do we go? How do we do that? One is to do, we can conduct interviews in trying to identify stakeholders. We do interviews. We do, we, 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 we develop some questionnaires and circulates in trying to identify stakeholders. So we do interviews, we do some questionnaires, we do brainstorming. We sit with certain people, try to brainstorm as to which are the people we believe could affect our project and which are the people we believe our project could affect. It's simply like, okay, so you want to prepare a meal for a birthday party and um, your, 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 your charter tells you that you are preparing for a Muslim community or a Muslim house. Mm -hmm. So in developing your charter, of course there will be some specifications and requirements that, that is in there in terms of the food you are preparing. Now, when in identifying your stakeholders, we are saying that try as much as possible to conform to the charter because otherwise we'll end up identifying anybody at all as part of a stakeholder. But the people that you must identify might, might, must be people that are in relation, that you can relate directly to the charter yeah. that has been developed one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So that is how come also when we are building roads, you realize that the people by the roadsides sometimes some, most of them are compensated if they've stayed there for a while. It's because they are stakeholders and the project is going to affect them. Mm. How does the project affect them? You know, because they are selling. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to kick them out of that place, where are they going to be selling to get their daily bread from? That is why we compensate people mm. also when we are building roads and we are displaying people. Because those people have been identified as stakeholders. And it's one of the, it's actually the second most important process you go through when you begin managing projects.
The first is to develop your project. The second is to what? Identify your stakeholders. At the end of identifying stakeholders, we come up with a tall list of stakeholders or people mm -hmm. that we believe can affect our project or we believe the project might affect. That list of people is called a stakeholder register. So we register them now with their contacts. It's and documented. It's documented <coughs> so you can follow up because the success of every project, in fact, is state stakeholder satisfaction. Make this distinction for my listeners. I hear you talk about stakeholders, and I get the sensing that it is persons who are affected by the project other than persons who will play a role in the project. Let me clarify. Okay. So, for example, if you were sitting as the owner of a company, you have various departments and um, who are going to chip in or who are going to be affected. Let's say it's a, a software upgrade. Mm -hmm. Customer service is going to have to deal with the clients. They need to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Finance is going to be doing billing. It, it goes in there. So there are various people who are going to be. Yeah. I have a feeling when you talk about stakeholders, it's not necessarily the people within your team. It's the people who are affected externally of your team. Is that Make that no. distinction okay, for Okay, so stakeholders include people within and people Within and without. Without, yes. Right. So it's broad. So it, it talks about, it includes man, the project manager. Mm. It includes the sponsor. It includes the client. Everybody. The, the management team. And then everybody that the project might affect. That's a tall list. That, it's really a tall list. And, and mind you, if we take stakeholder management for granted, most projects don't actually succeed because of improper stakeholder analysis or because of lack of real or true stakeholder management process. Because as you speak, I hear regulators, depending on what you're going to do. Yes. And that's how course, people yes. can go full cycle on bringing out a product and they get to the FDA and they and say... And then they, it's, you have to go back. It's curtains. You know, exactly. You didn't talk to us before you started. So you need to engage. That's why I said stakeholder identification is the second most important process. Or it's actually the first process when you're authorized to begin a project. The project manager authorizes you to begin... Uh, the, sorry, the charter authorizes you to begin a project. When you're authorized, the first thing you do is actually identify stakeholders so that you can collect their needs, wants, and expectations. It's these needs, wants, and expectations that we turn into requirements. And the success of every project is dependent on the requirement or meeting requirements. Latif, let's just drive this home point, you know, this, this point, home, I beg your pardon, for our, our, our listeners. You're a business owner, you're listening to us. Sometimes it's a bit, you know, tiresome to go through the processes of write a charter, do X, I know what I'm doing, I, I know what I'm doing. But it's absolutely important to have a reference point. What we're saying is that the charter gives you a reference point because it. you spend a bit of time making the charter a detailed document. And there you're able to see clearly and identify, for example, who your stakeholders are. Sometimes you may have forgotten completely or lost sight of the fact that with what you're doing, you require a certain input from a certain regulator who may or may not be needed at the beginning, but it's needed at the end. And people have done this over time. And I always say here on the show that there's no need to reinvent the wheel yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So you're listening to us. Spend time to do the paperwork. Do the project charter. When you do the charter, it helps you to have an overview of who this project will affect and who you should be talking to. So that at the end of the day, you don't get to the bottom line and then some control person sitting somewhere or some other person says, you didn't factor me in and therefore I'm affected. Imagine you have to do something and at the end of the day, there are people who are affected and there was no communication, there's compensation to be paid. So your project budget in the beginning is out of pocket. Okay, so to give you an example. It's absolutely important that you, you, you to understand To give you an that. example, there's currently <laughs> a project, a market that was built like 
10 years ago. Mm. That has not been used. It was built on time. It was built within budget and to specification, sponsored by the World Bank. It's perfect. Nice market. But for 10 years now, plus, it's not been used. And the reason is? The people in the community says they, they are not going to use that particular market because it was built over um, an old cemetery. See, and these are critical things that you should have taken note <laughs> exactly. of at so, the beginning because then the engagement would so have brought it if, up. Exactly. So and if you had engaged, so you see, we end up sometimes engaging certain personalities, like maybe the chiefs and then the DC and then blah, and blah, blah, blah. And a, leave the, mar- the, the market. But there would have been a process to disabuse the minds of these people so that at the end of your process, they would feel included and enough part. to have gone back to use the... So in, in this case, the project has failed. Uh-huh, but, 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 okay, so there was this argument that they said the success of a project is when it is done on time, within budget and the specification. And this contractor actually satisfied all these three. But now, I keep telling people that the success of projects have moved beyond just executing exactly. within budget to specification exactly. and then to the uh, uh, on time exactly it's moved beyond that to the satisfaction of stakeholders a lot of businesses now focus on more focus more on stakeholder satisfaction now compared so they can move a bit over budget over mm-hmm. time but if stakeholders are completely satisfied then they would say their project is satisfied so the success of every project now actually boils down to stakeholder satisfaction. And I think it comes back to a point that we made earlier that the customer is evolving. And therefore, yes. you shouldn't assume that the needs of the customer at the beginning of your project remains the same at the end of your project. We always say that if you want to know who the customer is, go take a look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> when you come to work in the morning and you go across the street to buy something, you're a customer. Yeah. When you sit in your shop and somebody walks to you, they are the customer. Yeah. So we are all customers and we are evolving and now we are king. Yep. And our taste buds have increased. <laughs> they have that, become... That so we, we are aware of what we are getting. Exactly. It's absolutely important, the point you make, very, you know. If so, you're a business owner, don't, don't lose sight of the fact no. that there are people involved and who will be affected by what you're doing. And don't ignore them because it can come back to, to hurt to exactly. hurt your and, then, and then also, there are certain even stakeholders that sometimes we disregard. Like, in, in always in your stakeholder list, I mentioned some kind of stakeholders that you look out for, mm. even though there are more. Like, stakeholders like information providers. So, if you are in a, let's say, in a village, you have the linguist. If you are in in a political world and doing political projects, you have people like Kwekubaku Junior. You have people like mm-hmm. Kwesi Pratt, mm-hmm. who are actually information providers. When it comes to government projects, mm-hmm. they are proper stakeholders mm-hmm. that you need to identify because what they say on air, mm-hmm. in with regards to your project, based on the facts available to them, yeah. could go for. Or yeah. against your project yeah. because they have a lot of people listening yeah. to them. So it is not just a, a normal, easy process that we should ignore. I, I keep I, I like hammering on the fact that it is actually one of the most important aspects of project management. Mm-hmm. If you actually want to succeed in, in, in projects or with your projects, then you must make sure stakeholder identification, stakeholder management is done properly. To end this, we are saying that. For every project to be properly initiated across the globe, you need to take two steps. One is to develop a project charter, and two is to identify stakeholders. Then, if we are done with these two, we can comfortably say that we are done with initiating of a project. Mm. You can call yourself a master of initiating. Yes, then it means you are done initiating a project. Now, Mm. after initiating, the next thing we move into is project planning. 
Mm-hmm. So we can only begin planning when initiating is complete. Now that we are mm. done with initiating, we can begin with what? Planning. Mm. And planning actually evolves around three things. Or immediately we begin to plan. We're looking out for three KPIs. We are trying to develop three KPIs mm-hmm. for planning. One, they are called, in all, the three are called performance baselines. And these performance baselines are, one, scope baseline, mm-hmm. schedule baseline, and then cost baseline. So we measure the performance of our project with regards to or based on this particular baseline or the performance baselines. So we would, the baselines will come up whilst we progress. But this is just to set the pace that mm. if you are beginning planning, you must have in mind that you're going to come up with certain baselines that the success, the, 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 the project's performance will be measured against. And these are the three baselines that we're talking about. On the, sorry, on the scope baseline, uh, while you make the next point, address the issue of scope creep, if you will. Okay, so we'll get there, but I can address it now. Yeah. Okay, so scope creep is basically unnecessary work. And the scope baseline helps us prevent those unnecessary work or work that are not necessary. So the reason is that there are often certain times that people might confuse certain things closer to what you are doing as part of the work but they are not part of the work. They define themselves into it. Yes. So we need to create some boundaries mm. to prevent people from doing that. The, 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 the ability to go into doing that, doing works that are not necessary or doing unnecessary changes that are not required by the project is what we'll refer to as scope creep. And we'll address it properly, how to prevent scope creep. Mm. It's when we go through the scope baseline processes, we'll address the issue of how to prevent scope creep, but it's basically unnecessary work or unnecessary changes. That is mm. scope creep. Mm. It's, it's, it's important to me. I'll, 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 I'll mention it, uh, you know, again in, in this conversation because sometimes it's, people forget that without defining this whole project charter properly, you end up trying to do everything at the same time because you're like, you know, once a resource is on site, oh, let's just take the opportunity and do this. Once there's yeah. disruption and we have put down the systems for, for so long and the customers are inconvenienced, we don't want to do this again. So let's just, but it's absolutely important to be able to define your scope. Yeah. You know, extremely important. Because otherwise, then you are all over the place. Yeah, you don't know what you're doing. And it's going <laughs> to impact your cost. It's going to impact timelines. It's going to impact. So you remember the constraints, the triple constraints. Mm. If you are all over the place and you are unable to work within scope, Mm. It's actually going to affect your cost or it's going to affect your schedule because of the primary constraints that we spoke about. So Mm. it's important for you. That's how come we're going into scope first when we begin planning. Mm -hmm. The first thing we try to develop is our scope baseline. Just so whatever we are going to be doing must conform because your budget will depend on the scope of work. Your timelines will depend also on your scope of work. And the rest of the Mm. things, the risks you are going to identify must be identified within the scope of work. And so on and so forth. The HR must be done within the scope of work. Mm. So everything else you're going to be doing actually must would conform to the scope of work. So in planning, that is our first focus, how to develop the scope baseline. There are certain principles that we expect project managers to have at the back of their mind when they begin planning, like assumptions. Every project plan has an underlining assumption. Mm-hmm. You would assume your budget is an assumption <laughs> because you don't even know whether you get it or not. It's an estimate. It's an estimate. Your schedule is an assumption. 
The mm. fact that you expect that Mr. ABC will be there mm-hmm. is also an assumption. They might not be there or they might not come at the end of the day. So, so if, hold, hold that thought for me. I want, it's getting exciting. I want our listeners to also um, join in. Let's get interactive so that they can begin to ask their questions and, and send in their comments as well. If, you, if, you, if you've just joined us, this is Masterclass right here on the Superstation Joy 99.7. We'll be getting interactive shortly so you can ask your questions to Latif. We're discussing project management. We'll take a quick message from our sponsors. When we come back, we get interactive. favorite on-air business development program, Joy Business Masterclass, is in session. And you can interact with us on Facebook via the Joy 99.7 FM or Joy Business pages. If you tweet, the handle is at Joy 997 FM or at Joy Business GH. Don't forget to hashtag JB Masterclass. You can also call us on 0302-216541 or send your questions and contributions through to the WhatsApp number 551 97 and our facilitators will address your concerns. Attention, everyone, class is in progress. Welcome back. If you've just tuned in, this is Masterclass. If you have a motor vehicle of any kind, Gaul has some great news for you. Gaul is rewarding all its prepaying Gaul customers with 2 percent discount per liter on all fuel purchased. You also enjoy discounts on all lubricants at Gaul stations nationwide. Elevate your goodness by joining the Goyle Go Club today and enjoy up to 3 pesos per liter discount on all fuel. Goyle, good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. Phone lines are now open. You can give us a call on 0302-216-541. That's 0302-216-541. You can also send us your comments on 055 That's 055 997. That's our WhatsApp line. Send your comments, your questions there. Our production crew will make sure that we get it and we read them out. If you're also watching us live on Facebook, you can post your questions there. Again, our production crew will make sure that we get those questions and comments and read them out. Numbers to call again, 0302-216-541. We're discussing project initiation and project charter. How do you start your project? We're taking it step by step. And we want you to apply to the projects that you run. We said that project management is not something that's hanging in the air. Everything you do every day in your business, planning supplies for Christmas. Christmas is in two months or so. Everybody's planning to take advantage of Christmas. But people are also planning for school fees in January. All that, everything you are doing from now to that period, you are planning one project or the other. People were planning to get livestock ready for sale, poultry, eggs, all of that. You're trying to push some product out. All of those things you are doing as an entrepreneur, you are managing one project cycle or the other. What is your real life experience? What are the lessons that we are learning that we can share to become better? Pick up that phone, give us a call, 0302-216-541, or send us your comment on 055-111-997. We'd like to hear your thoughts. So while we wait for the phone lines to ring, we're going to be talking about project planning, isn't it? Yes. yes. We're going to talk about project planning. And with project <clears throat> planning, I mean, when you begin planning, the first thing that comes to your mind is to develop a project management plan. Of course, the, the end result of planning is to develop a project, project management plan. And this is different from the charter? Yes, this is totally different from the charter. Okay. The project management plan actually is basically a, a framework that teaches us and guides us on how planning is done on projects. Okay. So it's basically, at this point, it's like an empty folder on your desktop. Just telling you exactly what and what will make it full. Mm-hmm. So in the project management plan on your desktop, as mean you create a folder, you name it project management plan. Mm-hmm. When you open that folder, you'll see nine other folders in it. 
Right. Those nine other folders represent the nine knowledge areas of management. Mm -hmm. So we will see the scope management plan in it. Mm -hmm. You see the schedule management plan in it. You see the cost management plan in it. Mm -hmm. the, the quality management plan, the resource management plan, the um, risk management plan, communication management plan, procurement management plan, and stakeholder management plan. All these plans come together to give us what we call our project management plan. So the project management plan is an umbrella body that contains subsidiary Of all plans. the nine sub-areas. Yes, That's exactly. So that is actually how the project management plan is. For Let's just rehash that again very slowly so that those of our people who like to take notes can... I know it's on the slides, but for those who are driving and who are listening... So the project management <coughs> plan, to make it very simple, is like creating a folder on your desktop mm. and naming it project management plan. Mm -hmm. That actually is the project management plan. Don't mm -hmm. think wild. Mm -hmm. When you open that folder called the project management plan, you expect to see certain things in that folder. And those things are the plans for the nine knowledge areas of management. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned them. We have the scope management plan in there. We have the schedule management plan. Which is your timing. Yes. We mm -hmm. have the cost management plan, just okay. budget. We have your um, quality management plan. We have your resource management plan, mm -hmm. communication management plan, risk management plan, procurement management plan, and then your stakeholder management plan. So and these are all key areas and exactly. key plans that you need to have for you to be to to apply the principles of project management effectively mm. you need to have these particular plans you understand so these plans come together mm. to help you get what we call the project management plan so we begin to develop in real world we be, begin to develop the individual plans mm. and feed them in the master plan so you right. look out for the scope management plan go and work work out get a scope of work, and then put it in the master plan, which is the project management plan. Mm -hmm. Do your budget analysis and everything, and you put it in what? The master plan, which is the project management plan. Yeah. You do your schedule analysis and put it where? In the master plan, which is the project management mm -hmm. plan. At the end of the day, they all come together to feed the master plan, which mm -hmm. is the project management plan. To go through it practically and for the purpose of this session, mm -hmm. they are the, for the purpose of master class, there are certain key elements we always say that in project management, there are 47 processes that we go through to manage projects. 47? Seven processes. But we don't use all the 47 processes all the time. Okay. We use some or most of the processes <laughs> most at times. Mm -hmm. It means that you would not necessarily need to use all the 47 processes. For the purpose of this class, mm -hmm. we would use the most important aspect processes that is required for a plan to be successful. And that is actually what we are going through. Mm. One is collect requirements. Because as a project manager, the first thing you want to know is what is required for your project to be successful. Let me just put these numbers out again. I'm waiting for the phone lines to ring. 0302216541. You're listening to us. We're interactive right now. We want to hear your thoughts. What projects are you currently managing and how are you managing them? What are the learning points? 0302216541. Also send us your comments on WhatsApp on 055 Our production crew will pick all the comments and make sure that we read them here on the show. Numbers to call again, 0302216541. WhatsApp lines, 055 Okay, so all I'm saying is that <coughs> for the purpose of this, 
in planning to make work very easy for you, the first thing you will do is to collect requirements. Mm -hmm. Collect requirements simply means that go back to the stakeholders you have identified. Find out what their needs are and clarify it properly. Mm -hmm. So you can find out that by interviewing them, mm -hmm. by having a questionnaire and so on and so on, or by even developing a prototype yeah. of whatever product you want to produce, mm -hmm. either on a computer or physical, and then show it to them for them to confirm or reject the, any aspect of whatever you are producing. Mm -hmm. So that is how we actually clarify stakeholders' needs. You interview them, you, you give them questionnaires to fill, or you can even develop a prototype. Mm. The aim of this is to be able to come up with a tall list of what is required for the project to be successful. Mm -hmm. If we are going to use me preparing Banku and Okro as a project, I like to make it a very, very, very simple and related. I think I have a caller on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from? Okay, I think I lost that call. Please call back. We definitely want to hear um, what you have to say. Otherwise, you can also send us your comments on 055 Please go ahead, if, if we want to talk about preparing Banku and Okro, the question is that what is required for that project to be successful? That's what mm. we are saying mm. with regards to requirements. So you ask all the stakeholders, what do you need? I'm preparing Banku and Okro. One stakeholder will tell you that, look, I need for me, from what I'm seeing, we have five boys. We need like 10 balls, this size balls of Banku. You understand? Mm. Others would also say, we need our Banku hat. I think my caller is back on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from? Good afternoon, This is Harrison from Dodoa. Oh, Harrison, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And yourself? I'm well, thank you. Talk to me. Okay. My, my picture has not yet seen or come home. Yeah, what? Sorry? Okay. My, picture, my picture I took with you at the studio. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Harrison. I'll send okay. it to you. Okay, okay. okay. Great. Uh, I like the explanation about the... The project that you're also testing, I mean, explain to us. Right. Okay. I have a lot of questions, but uh, some we are not yet done with the the, 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 the program, so I'll hold on. Mm. Uh, my first question has to do with if you have a, you have a, uh, uh, let's say, you have a specification of a project and you want to maintain the quality, but you either want to have uh, two constraints, which is the first one, maybe to extend your, your schedule or your time so that uh, you can be within budget or to exceed your budget and maintain your, your schedule to achieve the, the specification. I wanted to ask you, which one should I touch? Should I touch the, the cost? Mm -hmm. Should I overrun my cost or should I extend my time mm. so that I can, I can still get my, my quality? I want which one, as a professional project manager, which one should I touch? Right. Thank you, Harrison. The second one is, yes, to, is to add resources to my, my, my project activities or the tasks. But I realize maybe in the next week or in the upcoming week, we'll be talking about resources and, and, uh, and the calendar. So I want to hold on for, for next week. Okay. All right. So we'll answer the first one. Thank you for calling, Harrison. Okay. Right, cheers. So thank you so much for your question. Um, simple. If you have a situation where a constraint has been affected, whether schedule or budget must be affected. What you do actually is that you go back, you, you look through your contingency reserves and see which one. So for instance, you have a contingency with regards to schedule. When you plan your schedule, you put an amount of time down for unforeseen delays. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to budget, you put an amount of money down 
for unforeseen circumstances. Mm -hmm. So you look through the two contingencies and see which one is easy for you to apply. Mm -hmm. Because it means that you have some kind of reserves there mm -hmm. to cater for things like this. If you are unable to use any of your contingencies, then it means that you have to go back to management for approval. Mm -hmm. You need to do what we call the change request. Mm -hmm. Document that this particular change needs to be done and give reasons and submit it to management for them to approve so that they are aware about the consequences of the change on your triple constraints, yeah. which is your scope, your budget, and then your schedule. If they approve, everybody's aligned, and then you can progress your project. So Harrison, we're saying that check your contingencies. This is why it's absolutely important at the scoping stage to make sure, and the charter stage, to do the right thing. Yeah. So go back and check your contingencies. There must be contingency on time. And then so if you need to push it by two weeks, do you have two weeks? How much time did you put down? If you need to push your on the on the on the on the budget, budget. Side, how much money did you put down? Which of the two is easier to do? There's always cost. Is that in time or is it money? Yeah. But you look at the contingencies first. Yeah. If your contingencies cannot support it, what Latif is saying is you go back to management for approval. Yes. On so either you, budget. And you or go time. back yes, you go back to management by documenting what we call the change request mm. and giving reasons why this change needs to be done. Right. And then for management to consider. So there's a, there's usually there's a board we call the change control board mm -hmm. that will sit on it and discuss whether the change needs to be approved or rejected. Interesting. Yes. Sounds like a, a bit of bureaucracy, though, but <laughs> it's, it's important. Yes. It's important. Okay, yeah. I have another caller on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from, sir? Hello, good afternoon. My name is Daniel. I'm calling from Pacho. Right. Daniel, talk to me. Uh, thank you for the in-depth uh, education. Uh, I think there's something I want to highlight. The, our master uh, teacher is not highlighting the, the, the assumptions and the, in order to prepare assumptions and risk. Uh, I think most project management, people don't pay attention to those areas. And sometimes when you start implementing, mm. you hit the road, then you don't know what to do. Right. But it must be part of the plan and then you even uh, have another column, what, is, uh, what are the mitigating factors or things that you need to do to mitigate if those mm -hmm. uh, recent assumptions should happen. Mm. So that then, then your plan is uh, a little bit like secured in a way. Right. And also the contingency in, in the public sector, it is abuse. People will just put a lot of money there without doing proper analysis. <laughs> and at the end, if the money is gone, meanwhile, there hasn't been any... Uh, corresponding contingency that that you can, but in the private and the maybe NUA, that one is well managed. Mm. So I uh, maybe need to clarify that one a bit. And the contingency to um, and the risk, they, are, they differ from other. It's a private person, individual organization, mm. NGO, public service. So it, it, sometimes you bust all of the things inside one plan, and mm. some of them are really, really not applicable for a particular. Organization or individual. Right. So I want him to just mention some specific uh, recent assumptions and which organizations apply to so that then we can uh, uh, use them when we are doing our plan. The last right. question is what is the difference between uh, project plan and project 